This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. I'm Doug Wilson, and I've been in technology delivery for more than 35 years. I think that, that my realization was I actually personally shifted from a, being a very command and control, I'm an ex, ex-submariner, a command and control leader, to one that spent more time empowering and marketing my team versus managing them. Hi, I'm Matt Smith. I am a, an executive digital transformation, um, an enterprise architecture expert, and I focus on driving IT and product development organizations that are highly focused on continuous development and delivery. This is a continuing episode of a series, Once Upon a Time, the story of a large digital satellite and entertainment provider's transformation. Transformation, I mean, I'm hearing it sounds a little bit top down, but yeah, transformations happen in many ways, top down, bottom up, middle, uh, and up and down. How would you characterize this transformation? This was, you know, we, might, we might be talking about it because you're talking to me and Matt about it. You might be viewing it as top down. It absolutely wasn't top down. Oh. Uh, absolutely. I mean, yes, I was brought on board to fix things, but the teams decided how they were going to work. Fortunately, only thing that we wanted was consistency across the teams. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll give you an example of, of how that worked. <clears throat> this, this is probably it's going to sound crazy, but everything had wheels on it. <laughs> okay, the desks had wheels. Obviously, the chairs had wheels to go with the desks. And this was one of the bane of my existence in this building: is the the corporate folks would come up weekly, and I would get chastised because the desks weren't in the pace that the paper said that they put it there, right? <laughs> And for whatever reason that they had, which I'm sure it was legitimate, was very important that that person is allocated to this desk that sits in this location. And it was one of the things that I never told the team, right? So what would happen is almost spontaneously, there was an amoeba that would form and you would see people actually start pulling desks together and borrowing from this team to that team, which was, I think, the most wonderful like display of agile adaption and, and evolvement that you could see right that here you are actually pulling desks together to understand how you're going to go address this certain thing what allowed that to happen was we were able to successfully understand what we were always building we knew what we were building uh, we we rolled it out there to say this is what the expectation is and, you know, about here's some timeframes and when it needs to be done. And then we stood back and then you would see this metamorphosis happen out on the floor. So there's kind of a sense this is anti-agile thing, right? Because it's like, well, you form teams, you set it, you forget it, you keep them together forever. Like, ah, yeah, it works great at the core. But when you have to start moving some things around and you give people the opportunity to do it and you kind of expect them to do it, really cool things happen. And, and that was a byproduct. It was an inherent byproduct of actually what had taken place when you create the right conditions. I can remember distinctly that, and you see this in corporations a lot, there's no surprise that this team doesn't talk to any other team that's out there, especially in a remote environment or areas where they're not co-located. You see this. This is super common. What I saw when I walked in was team one that was on one side of the floor wasn't talking to team five, which was literally four teams away from them at the middle of the floor. And that became ridiculous. So it was literally going out on the floor in the beginning, holding them by the hand and actually bringing them together and say, let's just have lunch. Right. 
after that, then you saw it was like, you guys have permission to move this thing any way that you want. So every day when you came in, the seating arrangement had changed. Wow. But and this team worked is, late at night too. They started later in the day and they worked late at night. And because we had our cost customers on the East Coast, Matt and I were in a little bit earlier. I would add a piece to this too, Matt. You didn't know about uh, all of the escalations I got about the floor plan. Once we started delivering and proving that that we were more efficient than anybody else, the pressure stopped. <laughs> the escalation stopped. I said, just let them let them do their job. And and I think that Matt hit hit the nail on the head. Is if it, if you build the right teams, you don't need to manage them. We had some desired attrition. We had some desired attrition. It was really a, a situation where the teams managed and people would leave because the teams would basically push them out because they weren't pulling their weight. And it wasn't, we didn't have to take any HR action for them to leave. They left on their How own. How did you do that? How did you get that effect? Well, the teams became high-performing teams and they competed with one another. And if somebody within the organization wasn't doing their part, it became very evident. And, you know, and I'm going to take this back a couple of years, right? My first exposure to Agile was at uh, a company in Europe, that you know, largest cable operator in Europe, and I had the online space, and they were, quote, Agile, they were an off, uh, off-site team was Agile, and I was given the task of fixing it, and I put a internal scrum master on site. They were 20 kilometers from the office with this team, and what we found was this, this partner wasn't really there. And we were billed for people that didn't exist, and as a, you know, at the time, as a command and control leader, I go, aha. Now I see that I can see everything. In a, if Agile is implemented correctly, it isn't a situation of a less control. It's a, it's a situation of improved visibility. Therefore, there's inferred increased uh-huh. control. Think about that. And, it, and that aha moment was what made me become the Agilist I am oh, today. Right. So look about look at what we're doing here. There's transparency into who's doing what. There's transparency at the person level into the velocity of what they're delivering. There's you know so if the if the team is trying to deliver at a set capacity and one person's dragging the team down, the team will push on them. And and maybe maybe it's a technology issue, maybe it's a training issue, and maybe it's just somebody that doesn't have the desire to be a part of the team. You know, I'd add too is when Doug talks about a competitive environment, it was competitive. It wasn't competitive in a way that I'm better than you. It was competitive in a way where they pushed each other in a sense that I can write or I can do that in a much tighter code, right? I can write a better line of code than you can. Or like, well, yeah, I mean, you can do I can do better, right? So you saw that kind of environment happening. What I can say is in terms of the team and how they embrace this is the cost of and the pain, I guess more specifically, of having to go back and fix an error became unbearable. That was just not acceptable because they knew it was slowed down. And it really, once you get this thing rolling and you're really into this like agile way of working and everyone's doing their thing at the right time, they know their role and you're sprint planning and you got dev leads that are kind of got, you know, a foot in each every sprint, right? That fair to say? Those dev leads hate more than anything to have to go back, right? Uh, so that investment was made. And I think, you know, to me, I always summarize, it was a John Wooden quote that was out there. If you don't have time to do it right the first time, then when the hell are you going to have time to do it right again? <laughs> Is That was the embracement. So the competitiveness, I guess, was, from my perspective, it was, it was pure. It was super cool. And I'm trying to think of another term you had related to relevance that we've used over and over again. And that's really what we're talking about when we talk about what we did at this company is if you want to be relevant, 
you best start moving toward a product suite that's relevant, right? You know, so if you ignore things two, three years down the road, you're not going to be relevant. You're all going to be looking for work. You're certainly not creating shareholder value. Oh, well, it's fine. We don't remember it. But, you know, Matt and I came up with a lot of terms we use. And, you know, and, and, and I've used those terms over and over again in, in, in conversation. And I think where we are in a, in a lot of cases when we come to clients is we find that they've done some level, level of agility on work within their delivery teams. But unfortunately, what we find is it's limited to their delivery teams. We got an agile IT organization, although when we assess them, we identify opportunities there too. But if you look at most studies, show that the value of an agile transformation is much more weighted on the takeoff and the delivery. And Matt uses these terms all, all the time. You've got that. I don't know, Matt. Why don't you you go go through the analogy of the takeoff and landing, the ten minutes of terror? It's yours. So why don't you pr- share that? Oh, yeah, super fun. Um, it's like going way in the Wayback Machine. Uh, here's a quote, though, is uh, if, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance. That is a quote, yeah. It's just, uh, it's been a while since I've used it. So uh, from the uh, the 10 minutes of terror, think about, you know, when you're in an airplane and you get up, if you ever get a chance to talk to pilots, and I grew up around them, so did Doug, by the way. It's just, his father was a, a, a pilot, and you get a chance to sit down with these folks. I'll tell you that when you take off, there's 10 minutes of tear where if it's going to be bad, right. And you're going to go down, you're going to go down in the first 10 minutes. And there's not a whole heck of a lot that they can do about it. Right. So it's super difficult to, to lift something up. That's extremely heavy. (laughs) Get it up in the air. But once you get up in the air, you know, it stabilizes and if things go bad, you know, typically you can, you can glide your way out of that and minimize the damage if you're going to have any. So it was the same scenario or same analogy, I guess, is what we use to describe this. And this wasn't to the teams. This was the influencing to leaders, right? Why do we want to continue doing this this way? Why do we, you know, why do we care? Why do we, you know, want to spread this out and how do we scale it? There was this concept of having to explain it to them in a way that they could provide a really quick understanding of of what this meant, right? So the same thing it was, you know, when you're building these teams, when you're building an agile organization, when you're trying to lift something off, you know, the first 10 minutes are going to be ugly. Um, you've heard it stood before, or said before, sorry, this. sometimes you have to slow down to go faster. Sure. That's the 10 minutes of terror right there. And if anything's going to go wrong, boy, the wheels are going to come off right there. And it takes the strength, right? That's where, the, you know, I'm going to say the people in the middle, but the people, the ones that have this idea, the directors, the senior directors, the folks that are piecing this together, that's where you like kind of hold arms and you you hope it doesn't break at that point, right? Not to use hope as the strategy right here, but you're you're really trying to, you're, you're flexing a lot of muscle and pain and stress at that time, but you know, once it gets lifted, it's it's golden and the fun part you know in retrospect looking back is once it gets up in the air and it starts to glide on minimal fuel you really lose control of where where it can be going and uh that was the fascinating part i didn't again didn't predict that um, uh, we we didn't and and, and and i was thinking about that environment that we had in, in many ways we were set up for success and when I when I think back on it, you know, I've talked to some of the people. We still they're still family, you know. Matt and I've been gone since 2018, but we're still family. We still communicate with those people. In fact, Matt and myself, and I'm, there's two people that were on our team with us at Leading Agile now, in, in addition to Matt and I. And there was another one who just recently left. And then I also go back to that company I worked with in in Europe. My boss at that company is also with wow. Leading Agile now. You build teams around people you trust, 
but you know when when I walked away and it was hard to walk away from that team I had to remind them that if you're always looking for this meaning this perfect storm opportunity you're always going to be upset you're never going to be happy you can't assume that every environment's going to work this well there are so many aspects of of the all of the stars lining up that I, I just I can't assume that it's going to happen elsewhere there's pieces of it you can dry, strive for but that end to end environment where we created a, a team that became the, the marquee team for the entire organization and the place everybody wanted to be from a place that where nobody wanted to be, including the people that were on our team when when Matt and I came in. That's not a, not a common experience and a common thing that happens in a career. So I put that as, at, at a very high level as, as a marquee uh, for me and, and, and my career and what I've done. And I, I always strive for it, but don't expect it. Are you new to Agile or Scrum? Looking for a fun way to pick up the knowledge to become an Agile team? Go get the novel, Agile Noir. It's a dramatic novel about a project manager who needs to transform his teams to become Agile because his life depends on it. This book is available in the US on Amazon, in India on pothy.com, in China, it's available on my WeChat store. Links are in the show notes. Check out the show notes. In there, you will find a link to the article from CIO Magazine that mentions Doug and Matt Smith. What are show notes? Show notes are right there in your podcast player, if that's what you use. If you downloaded this from a website, though, you have to go back to that website where you got the MP3, and in that website, you will see show notes there, and there will be links related to this content for your easy access. This series started at episode 210. If you're like my friend Joe and you missed the first episode, go ahead and search in your search engine the words Lancer, Agile Thoughts, archive and go ahead and look for episode 210 there next episode more matt and doug i walked in one day and the the cio was sitting in my office and i thought oh boy it's over right (laughs) (laughs) like what did i do now find out next episode